This is my first Big Game Harvest podcast. I'm your host, Mario Chikas. Today we have with us Connor Garazuski. And uh, a couple business things for Connor to get out of the way before we get started here. And uh, he is on Instagram at HTO underscore official underscore. And that's Hotel Tango Oscar underscore official underscore. Uh, you can also find uh, his uh, Linktree account here at Hunting the Outdoors. Also has a YouTube channel which uh, you can subscribe to, and, uh, and it is Hunting the Outdoors. So uh, check him out there, and um, we'll get it going here. Connor, can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. Good deal, man. Well, thanks for coming on, bro. And I know we, we chatted a little bit before um, starting the recording on the podcast here. But uh, for those of you listening, Connor is a fellow pro staff ride-on team member, so... We'll chat a little bit about at the end of the uh, at the episode, kind of what some of that entails. So, but um, anyway, Connor, why don't you start at the beginning, man? Where where'd you grow up? Who got you into hunting? Okay, so I grew up in Kerrville, Texas, with my mother and my sister, and um, <clears throat> we grew up on our my mother's family's ranch, um, which had about. 400 acres and some change oh jeez <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome um but the uh my dad actually got me into hunting and i think to this day if i'm trying to jog back to my memory i don't think i've actually shot a deer out there out of my mother's family's ranch really <laughs> uh, that's... Yeah, because I did all I did. Yeah, surprising as that is. Yeah. Um, I did all of my hunting with my dad. Um, now I did do, you know, we did predator hunting because they have we have cattle out there, um, and there's an abundance of coyotes. Yeah. Um, so we would we would shoot coyotes and um, stuff like that. But yeah, my dad got me into hunting. Um, he's a you know, huge outdoorsman. Um, so is his father. So hold, hold real quick, Connor. So what okay. were, what were you, what were you using to shoot coyotes with? Like how old were you when you started just blasting coyotes in the farm? Um, I think the first time I went with my cousins, man, I think we used a two, a 243 or a 270. Okay. Um, and we used to go with my, <clears throat> Uh, my aunt and uncle, because they were big into it. My aunt Debbie and my uncle Michael, um, they were real big into it, and so we would go with them. So uh, now, was it so was it just posting up and you know waiting for them to come in, or did you guys have like, you know how they have those calls? You know, you can bring them in and all that. Like the fox probe. Yeah. Um, no, we never had any. We never had any of those. My aunt Debbie. Um, and it, it, it's so wild and I've never met another person that can do it. She can do like a distressed, um, rabbit call <laughs> with her hand. What? But like, yeah, I, I, yeah, she, she, I don't know if she sucks on the web between her thumb and her pointer finger or she blows air, but it sounds like a distressed rabbit. That's wild. It, yeah, it, it really is. Um, so we used to we would we would post up 
usually uh, on like a clear cut somewhere or on a, one of the hillsides, or we would just drive around with a spotlight or a green light or something. Oh, okay. Nice, dude. So, anyway, go ahead. No, that that uh, that was really. Um, but no, uh, I guess as far as, you know, getting in the outdoors, yeah, my dad, um, you know, he was really the, uh, the, the outdoorsman and, you know, he's probably, I don't know, he's got three or four duck mounts. Um, I know he's, I think he has three Tom spreads in his office at his house nice he's got an odd dad euro now so he was really the one that that uh you know he would always take me hunting with him and you know he was the one i was with when i shot my first deer it was a doe but um but so he's uh, the one that he's the one that got you started and you know would take you out and just kind of you know, playing around in the outdoors with him as you, um, as you got to know and kind of just like being out there. Now, were you the kind of kid that just wanted to be out there, didn't care what you were doing or did he kind of have to make you get up and go? Man. Um, so whenever I was younger, I was, I mean, if I was hanging out with my dad, I really didn't care what we were doing, but whenever I was younger, I wasn't so much, you know, like a dad was like, hey, I'm going to go, you know, go do this. You want to come along? Sometimes I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'll come. But sometimes, you know, I, I wasn't so quick to quick to the draw. Sure. It wasn't until I was probably in my early teens, I would say, that I got more interested in the outdoors. Gotcha. Um, and and he, was, he was really more hands-on you know, with, with the fact of, Hey, if you're going to shoot this animal, you know, or if you want to go shoot this animal or, you know, go fishing and eat the fish, you're going to have to to skin it yourself because mm -hmm. that's what comes with it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not always going to be there to hold your hand and do it for you. You got to learn. Yep. And so I think that was really, that was really one of the, I think the sparks in the fire that, that was lit, uh, with me in the outdoors was, you know, that connection with after you, you know, you harvest something, um, that, you know, you, you break in this animal down into all the different components that you're going to later eat yeah. or, you know, grind up and make into sausage or, you know, whatever it is you're going to do. Yeah. How old were you when you saw your first, you know, you quartered up your first animal or saw, let me just rephrase. What was the first animal you saw, uh, quartered up? Oh man. Um, that I did or I saw just that one that you were a part of, like the first one you can remember being a part of. Um, the first one I can remember being a part of is um, my grandfather has a lease in San Saba, Texas that we can go hunt on. Um, 
and the guys would bring the deer back to the the cabin and uh i can remember it was you know obviously uh, as old as i am my memory's bad <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're in trouble connor i can tell you that yeah. i'm 43 man if it gets worse <laughs> that's awesome um, i can i can vaguely remember um you know me with my dad my grandpa um i think it may have been some of my grandpa's uh other honey buddies that were out there and i couldn't tell you whose buck it was but it was hanging from they used to have uh a scale that would hang over the balcony Mm -hmm. that they would hang everything from you know to get a good weight and you could take a picture with it and I mean, that was like one of the first times that I can remember yeah. watching it happening. What were you thinking? Man, I, I, probably back then I was like, man, this is, you know, this is gross. There's blood everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> this animal's huge, like, you know. But Yeah, I, and, and the reason I ask is because that, you know, it took me a long time to get into it, and... Um, the first animal I saw quartered up was an elk in Utah. And, bro, I I did not plan for the amount of flies and bees that were going to be around that carcass. And I'm just like, where did they all come from? We've We've been hiking for hours, didn't see a fly anywhere, didn't see a bee anywhere. But, man, that animal went down. And it was game on. And like, you know, and I'm looking at it like really close. I'm like, what are they doing? And they're sucking that blood. You know, they're getting some of that blood. And I'm like, why do they want blood? <laughs> I'm like 40, you know, I'm like 30 something years, late 30s. And I'm like, completely never seen anything like this, you know? So I always like just like to hear the recount of, uh, <laughs> of the first time seeing an animal. Yeah, because it's not something that a lot of people see, right? So it's it's interesting no, to hear, you know, people people's feedback on that. So <laughs> anyway, yeah, I will say this: I'm envious of you, uh, you know, as far as the elk goes. That that is like my next my next big hunt is an elk. Okay. Well, yeah. we will uh, we will certainly exchange numbers and talk um we we definitely my brother-in-law and i hunt together a lot and then my brother recently um him and i got into it and so you know up in flagstaff in arizona i mean it's that's just world-renowned elk country up there man. and i have come to find out like how you said you know you're having to edit that out that you know, Western hunting is a secret, dude, <laughs> that I didn't know about. Like, you can't find anywhere online of people talking about anything. And yeah. and if you do, if it's like in a forum somewhere, there's a, you know, there may be one comment that's like, oh, yeah, man, you know, I went here and here this one year and saw this, that, and the other. And there'll be another hundred comments below it of guys telling them to, you know, shut Zip up, we're talking about. Yep. Zip it, man, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting, man, because I um I'm all about helping, you know, another hunter and all that. Um however, 
with the influx of people moving out here, we just recently had a, an, a draw that hasn't taken place yet. That's a week late. And because they had 80,000 more applicants this year than they had last year, 70 or 80,000. Yeah, bro. And so I'm kind of changing my tune, not to the tune of helping people, because I'll tell you, you know what, man, where have you seen elk? Okay. Go up to, uh, you know, I'm not giving anybody a spot, but I'll tell them there's elk there. Go look for them. Yeah. You know, and then you can do the work on that. Right. But if I'm hunting with another guy, yeah, I'll take you to the spot that I'm checking in, you know, that, that I've looked at or seen something. So, but you're right. There's a lot of hunters that protect the West, um, that I've seen as well that are not apt to share anything. Um, so take that for what you will. But, um, dude, that's awesome. We'll have to talk about that. Huh? I'll have to save your number and, and see how that hunt's going in Idaho. 100%. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so, so you kind of got back into, so you got into hunting in your, in your mid teens and, um, let's get into your, your, um, your first big game harvest. So, um, you know, what did you put in for and were you putting in for a while? Is it something you can do over the counter? Kind of talk to me about that process. So as far as big game goes, it's a, uh, you know, it's just a Texas native whitetail buck. Um, that is, I guess you could say the, right now, the reach of my, uh, my hunting experience has been whitetail axis and, uh, you know, stuff native to Texas. Mm -hmm. So that can all, I mean, you can harvest as long as you're a, you know, Texas resident and stuff like that go down to your local walmart every year pay your i think it's don't quote me on this uh it's like 55 dollars uh-huh for your uh your tag your super combo i think it's called the super combo where you get your fishing license your hunting license and your hunting license comes with five deer two bucks three dough and Man, I may mess this up. Four turkeys? Wait, Three so turkeys? when you say it comes with, so that 55 bucks will cover you to allow you to legally harvest all those animals on that one $55 over-the-counter purchase? Yes. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> so, so there are obviously, a, you know, a few restrictions like, you know, with the five, when the, with the five deer, um, only two can be antlered, um, or you can do five antlerless, or you know, four antlerless and one buck. But yeah, you can do five five deer with a max of two antlered. I believe I don't have my license on here. I could give. I believe it's three turkeys, and you know. A fishing license and a fishing license and yeah. that that's an annual yes yeah that's awesome <laughs> yeah I've, I've learned that other states don't have uh no no we we have a uh, ours isn't too bad it's not horrible we have a 45 dollar um over-the-counter archery um 
and it just depends on different seasons. So you can hunt it in January, all January, and then there's like an opening in August, and then a couple weeks in December as well. So when you kill, you're done, right? doesn't matter. If you put in for a draw, then that's a rifle, and you, and you harvest then, then you're, that tag is done too. So, so it's not horrible, but it's not all the different animals that you have um, there in Texas. It doesn't include turkeys or any of that. Those are all big game draws. So, um, mm -hmm. so it's not horrible, but man, it's not Texas. That's for sure. That's, uh, even the tags are bigger in Texas. My goodness. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny, man. Like if you want to go, uh, if you want to go dove hunting, all you have to do is get your migrant, your migratory bird stamp uh, endorsement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like same with duck hunting, duck hunting, 25 bucks, get your duck stamp. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty easy. Yeah, that <laughs> is pretty easy. So you get your tag and you head out looking yeah, for so, what? Um, so as far as my, my first hunt or my first big hunt went, um, got my tag and we had been hunting. So my dad's an educator. Um, he's a principal now. One of his first principles has property outside of Harker Heights, Texas, where he allows my dad, myself, and my stepmom to hunt on. And um, he, my dad had a, and it's gonna sound so funny to, uh, you know, to the people out there listening that that uh, you know bust their backs for every every harvest they have. Um, so right inside of the gate of his ranch, about 50 yards from the gate, my dad had set up a pop-up blind out in this field facing towards the bottom of a hill. Probably, I would say the, the feeder was 75 yards, 80 yards away. Okay. And so we parked probably right on the other side of the, uh, right on the other side of the gate, you know, early morning, still dark out. Um, I don't know. I probably had 15 layers on. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it was cold. What time of year is this? Uh, so I shot the deer in November. Okay. Here in Texas. So I, I believe... And I believe it was early November. So the mornings were still pretty, pretty cold. Yeah. But it would kind of get warmer as the day went on. You know, the sun came out. Yeah. Um, so when you, when you, um, when you take a tag, you know, when you get a tag, you go out there. So are you scouting this area? I mean, the farm and, and all that, or are you typically using, um, just the feeder to bring, you know, to bring them in, um, you know, what kind of, I guess, what kind of scouting or glassing or any of that is done before? Um, so there's not really a whole lot that out there. I've never done any glassing really. The really the only kind of, I guess you could say scouting that we do is we run trail cameras, mm -hmm. um, on the feeders. 
we'll, we'll we'll have it pointed at a feeder. Sure. That way we can that way we can see you know what deer are coming in consistently, um, you know at what times, this that and the other. Right. Um, and then you kind of just plan accordingly, honestly. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, and, it's, and, go, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead, Connor. No, I was gonna say, uh, you know, as I've talked to other other hunters, I've learned that a lot of the outside of Texas hunting world looks down upon Texas <laughs> because of our. Uh, w- most everyone sits in a blind and hunts a feeder. <laughs> And, and, you know, growing up, you know, that's all I knew, you know, like, you know, you put a feeder out, the animals come in to eat and you, you know, you harvest your deer. And then I've started to talk to people, you know, out in other states and they're like, oh, dude, that's illegal here. Like, you know, we got to go out and glass for two hours, find our animals and, you know, drive in on them. Right. (laughs) And, you know, and what's funny, man, is, you know, you, you talk to like you said, other hunters and that look down on guys that hunt feeders or that hunt, you know, stands or, or tree stands or blinds, whatnot. And I'll tell you, I, I don't have a whitetail buck. And if somebody put me in front of a feeder and gave me a rifle and there's a buck came in and it was legal and good to go, I would shoot that buck. I would, I would have no problems. And I don't care what anybody would have to say to me about, oh, you didn't glass for three days and go look for that buck? I sure did not. <laughs> but here he is on my wall. So it's just different. He was, he was hungry enough. Yeah. I mean, dude, it's like, it's just different, you know, different regions of the country. You know, they did they hunt differently. And so it's one of those things where it, it's, you know, it, it's just where it depends on where you're at, you know. Exactly. There, there's there's a guy in Connecticut that's going, dude. I'm so tired of killing does. Like, I, you know, the guys up there, they have to kill five does before you can hunt your first buck. So yeah. it's, you know what I mean. So it just depends on where you're at. So I, I don't get into any of that. It's, it, that that same guy that's complaining about that's also going, you know, to a new guy that's trying to get into hunting that we're trying to teach conservation and all that to. And we say, hey, so how do we start hunting? Look it up yourself. You know, yeah. how do you think I started? <laughs> right. Right. So I totally get what you're saying. At the same time, I wouldn't care at all. It doesn't sound like you do. So that's good. <laughs> no, I really don't. Um, you know, I mean, as long as you're doing it, you know, you know you're doing it right. You're, you know, feeding the animals and. You know, I, I have a, I have a feeder now, uh, at my mom's ranch that, uh, I put up last year and I'm actually going to run it year round. Um, you know, with different, uh, you know, different types of feed for the deer year round, just so they get used to, to coming into it, try to get some of the deer a little more healthy. Yeah. Um, just because down in the hill country, man, it's uh, it's in the summer times in the late spring, it gets hot and everything dies. Yeah, I bet. 
I bet. So getting back to your story, so you you guys post yeah. up on the you post up on the feeder early morning, cold, brisk. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we get inside. So we get inside of this little pop up line that you know is probably designed for bow hunting, but we're sitting in it, and uh, usually whenever we first get there, my dad would help me adjust the rifle. He'd bring one of those, uh, I don't know the exact name for it, but it's like the the, uh, the little tripods that you can strap your rifle into oh. and hold it steady. Yeah. Yes. Um, so he was, we'd strap it in. You know, I'd look through the glass and try to, you know, find the feeder. That way I know, you know, where it's pointing, blah, blah, everything's set up. And then... Then we usually uh, probably take a nap (laughs) 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 and wait. As bad as it sounds, uh, I would usually at that age, you know, fight fight the sleep for ten minutes maybe, and then I would be abruptly woken by the feeder going off. Um, So two things. For my dad. How how old were you? And what does it mean in the feeder going off? So on the hunt exactly that I'm talking about, as funny as this is going to sound, so it was my freshman year of college. So it was in 2015. Okay. So not too, too long ago. Um, so when I say the feeder goes off, it's this, if you're not used to it, it'll it'll make you wet your pants. <laughs> um, it's the it's the loud spinning of the metal thrower on the bottom of the feeder spinning the corn out of the feeder. And so usually you have it set to like 15 minutes before sunlight. And I mean, you you can hear that thing on a cold on like a a quiet morning. You can hear a feeder go off from, like, I don't know, maybe a mile away. Wow. Like, it's loud. Wow. And so it'll it'll wake you up. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it. Um, but, no, yeah, so, so the feeder went off, and, you know, obviously I woke back up, and, you know, my dad's telling me, okay, you know, my, and, and, the other thing about my dad, you know, love him to death. He is one of the kind of guys that's like, you don't move, you don't talk, you don't make noises, because the deer will know where you are, and it'll scare him off. Which, I mean, he's got a point. Mm-hmm. But, like, man, I, you know, any little movement in the blind that I used to make, my dad would be like, quick moving. You're going to quit moving. you got to quit moving. They're not going to come in. And, you know, now that I'm grown, you know, there's been a few times I've been hunting where I'm, like, you know, leaning back in the chair and grabbing stuff out of a bag, and the deer have no idea that I'm there. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but, no, yeah, so we sat there for, I don't know, I think usually the feeder would go off about, man, don't quote me, I think it was, like 6 50 7 o'clock maybe mm-hmm. um 
Sunrise is usually about 7.15. So we probably sat there for about 25 minutes, and a big group of dough came in. And I remember my dad telling me, um, you know, we'll wait it out if you want to wait it out. Um, if not, you know, we can pick the biggest dough of this group and take her. And, you know, I decided, I was, you know, I told him, I was like, hey, you know, let's, let's wait a little bit. <clears throat> well, to our left, probably 30, 40 yards is a fence line that separates the property. Well, at about 8.15, you could hear some grunting on the left side of that fence. Which, I mean, obviously you, you and I both, you know, understand there's a buck over there mm -hmm. so my, and so my dad was like hey you know you heard that i heard that let's see if homeboy hops the fence to come over here and you know check his dough out well it took him about 15 minutes because he, he moved into a spot probably parallel to the feeder on the other side of the fence so we could see him but he still was not within our legal boundaries to shoot. Mm. Yeah. And he, he didn't hop the fence immediately. He kind of went up the fence line into the trees and disappeared. And I'll tell you, it made my, you know, my stomach just drop. Oh, oh yeah. gosh, man. Like this dude, he's gone. You know, obviously we didn't, you know, have a legal shot, so it's not like I missed out on a shot or anything. Um, you know, I started talking with my dad, you know, hey, let, let's look at the dough, pick a good dough, we'll take her, you know, her meat, you know, I mean, meat's meat, it's going to taste the same at the end of the day. Um, and I wouldn't even say about five minutes later, here comes... Uh, Mr. Buck walking down the hill on our side of the feed or our side of the fence towards the feeder. And, you know, my heart just started pumping, man, because, you know, this is my first buck. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I started, I, you know, they tell you about buck fever, but you never really experience it until you're behind the gun. <laughs> and, you know, your heart's pounding while your cheeks resting up against the stock of the gun. And I'm trying to line it up, you know, on his shoulder, waiting for him to stop. You know, he'd stop for a second, pick his head up, take a couple more steps. And, you know, and I'm trying to get my breath down to where I'm not, you know, hyperventilating while I'm pulling the trigger or anything. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, sure enough, man, uh, dude turned broadside towards us, um, stood there what seemed like forever but I'm sure it was only a couple seconds. And uh, that was long enough for me to, you know, say a good prayer and pull the trigger. And he, uh, as uh, Rut Daniels would say, he didn't go 20. <laughs> <laughs> so he just dropped right there, huh? He, he did, man. It was, a, it was a double long shot. Um, dropped right there. Um and he took a took a dirt nap so right after you shoot you know you hit him right now now what are you feeling you 
Well, I just I remember my dad slapping me on the back. He's like, "Good job, good job, man. Good job, you got him." And my my dad, his thing is he likes to you know wait a second, make sure the uh, you know the process of of the deer you know dying off you know happens. You don't want to like rush up on him in case for some reason you know he's still alive. You don't want him to hop up and run off somewhere. Um, so, you know, he slaps me on the back. He's like, good job, man. You got him. You got him. Good job. Uh, and he pulls his phone out real quick. Uh, I think to text my stepmom, you know, like, oh, Connor, you know, Connor shot a, shot a good, it was, uh, he's an eight point. I actually have him on my wall over here. Um, yeah. So I, I was looking at your photo that you sent me and, um, man, that's, uh, that, that's something to be envious of for your first buck, man. That's a nice, that's a nice buck. Thanks. Uh, yeah, he's, you know, completely symmetrical. Um, uh, man, dude, man, it gets me kind of excited just thinking about it. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and then my dad and I brought him home. Uh, my dad and I actually uh, process our own deer. Um, so we brought him home, you know, did all the packaging and stuff together and we actually Euro mounted them ourselves. Oh, wow. I'll say, I mean, he, he did most of the process. Um, but you know, he taught me along the way of how to do it. Was that your, that, was that your first time processing beginning to end or had you done it before? Um, so that was my first time with my animals. I had helped him with some of his um, in the past, you know, a little bit here and there. But that one was like the first time when we got home and he goes, all right, killer, you know, <laughs> this one's yours. I'm going to, I'll tell you what to do, but you're going to do it. Yeah. He's like, all right. That's awesome, man. Yeah. It usually takes about the the better part of a day to uh, to fully, you know, bone out the deer, package it all up, and then set stuff aside to grind to make sausage and um, you know, like breakfast sausage or links. What um, what's the first thing you made? after you harvested the buck, um, what's the first thing you put on the dinner table with that buck? Man, I think actually my dad made, um, I think he, five years, six years seems like forever ago, but, uh, (laughs) I think if I remember correctly, um, my dad does stuffed backstrap. And he puts it on the grill. And so he'll just take a blade down the middle of the back strap, butterfly it out, and then stuff it, and then tie it back together with some of that cooking string. Uh-huh. Slap it on the grill. And I will say that knowing that the meat came from your deer seems to give it just that much better of a taste. <laughs> And that's where I was going with my next question, and you answered it. <laughs> yeah, right? That's what um, 
That's what the guys I've asked. That's what they say. They say it just tasted just that much better. I cooked everything the same as I did before. <laughs> it's just so much better. So yeah, it's like man, I, I remember. You know, it's cool to and it's cool to think about because I like to think about it like while sometimes while I'm eating, you know, whatever like a venison steak or the tenderloin or whatever it is I cook. You know, thinking man, you know, however long ago this this piece of meat was assisting this deer to live its everyday life and then i you know brought it from the deer brought it to my house chopped it all up put it in the packaging you know that took me all day long to you know take you know make you know make it nice so that whenever you're cooking it it makes it easier to cook then then you know my family got hungry pulled it out of the freezer seasoned it overnight, pulled it out, cooked it, and now we're eating it. You know, it's like the whole circle of yeah, of everything. It just makes it that much more enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff, man. Um, what rifle were you using uh, when you shot it? So, I believe it was my my grandfather's 243. Now, as far as particular what brand or like what make it was, I'm not too sure. I don't think that matters, man. It was your grandfather's rifle. I think that's even better than whatever brand it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and what's cool, man, is I, I love it. And my dad loves it to death because, you know, he hunts with it all the time still to this day. Is It's one of those old wood stocks. Hmm. And it's, it just looked like that light brown wood. Oh, God, man, it's just so pretty. Yeah. And, and I think my dad had it, like, not redone, but just touched up a few years ago. And it just, I mean, no one makes guns like that anymore. Right. No, because everything's that synthetic stock and, you know. Oh, yeah, I mean, and it, fiber, yeah, right? and if they do, it's like expensive as a mug, you know. Yeah, it's a it's a Christensen Arms costume, <laughs> <Yeah>. eight thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, so we'll uh, we'll take the opportunity to do this live read here. So, um, guys, I hope you're enjoying the um, Connor story here of killing his first buck. It's a great, beautiful buck. And uh, I want to talk to you also about the optics, um, right on optics. So. Specifically, the X5 Conquer 525-50MOA or MRAD. Uh, both have the integrated removable throw lever, you know, six levels of red illumination, fast focus, eyepiece, 100% waterproof, all the, um, all the quality checks done in Tucson, Arizona. So um, check them out, guys, right on optics.com. Um, if you notice, I said one's an MOA and one's an MRAD. If you don't know the difference or want to know a little bit more, there's also Right On University, which you can jump on their website again, RightOnOptics.com, and check out their um, university spotlights. I mean, they have all kinds of different trainings and different things that you, you know, how to how to even pick the right optic for your rifle. Um, they have the different levels of, of series of of scope. So. Um, go, go on over to rideonoptics.com guys and check that out and um, we'll get back with uh, Connor here. Thanks for putting up with that there. 
Um, no, you're good. It's funny, man. I, I've never done a live read like that. So that's, I just, it's funny how, like, you think these guys that do podcasts and stuff, like, you're a little bit nervous at first and you're like, you know what? This is not as difficult as you make it seem like it just like I, I think of Joe Rogan and when he reads his live reads, it's like he's literally just reading live. That's all it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like a script. Yep. It's like a script, man. So, um, well, great, man. That's great story. Thanks for going through that. And, um, anything new that, that came up that you kind of forgot or were like, Oh yeah, I totally forgot about that. Or, um, and it doesn't have no, to be anything. I, <laughs> no, I don't think, I mean, I know I do remember, um, I did. I, it wasn't really like anything specific about that hunt. It just it makes it makes me laugh how you know thinking back on that hunt. You know, I probably had you know six or seven layers on of you know whatever I slapped on, yeah. and then I think about you know the the gear I use nowadays, and I'm like, man, I've been out in probably the same degree weather, and I had three layers on max. Yeah. Just how, just how far gear has come. Yep. Yep. And speaking of gear, man, let's transition into this. I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions and um, Bring it on. let's see how we do. Your first binos. First binos? Ooh, Vortex, uh, Crossfire HDs, 12 by 50s. <laughs> Not bad. Bad at all. Yeah. Uh, your first boots. My first boots, ooh, um, like as an adult or just in general? As an adult. As an adult. So actually, I was lucky enough to have Irish setters uh, send me a pair of their um, Vapor Trek 8-inch men's new hiking boots. And they are fantastic. Yes. Insulated, waterproof. And I would recommend them 10 out of 10 to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard there's a good two. Uh, Man, I, and there wasn't even, sorry, I mean, there no, no, no. like, you know, like whenever you first get new boots, how you gotta, gotta have a period where you gotta break them in before you really go yep. know, absolutely run them through the ringer. Yep. Dude, I tell you what, there wasn't one blister I've ever had from those things. I didn't have to break them in. I didn't have to do anything. Well, there you go. <laughs> you said it all. What's uh, your first hunting truck or just vehicle? Um, so I have a 2011 Ford F-150. Hilarious. There you go. Your first pack. My first pack. Ooh, it's actually... I can actually tell you the exact... It is... A game winner multi-day pack i think that's the academy brand nice what's your favorite snack <laughs> when you're out hunting oh dang favorite snack when i'm out hunting probably trail mix <laughs> it's like nine out of ten guys it's trail mix <laughs> <laughs> well it, it's funny man like it's easy to make yourself so because you, you can always put like the only the stuff you want right yeah 
Yeah, so you don't have to like discard those like cashews or you know whatever it is you don't like in the trail mix. Yeah, or the fifty thousand peanuts they put in there. <laughs> Dude, and then you get thirsty, man. You eat all of the trail mix, and then now you're wanting to like suck down a liter of water while you're yep. up there. Yeah, while you're trying to preserve water, right? So it's always good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Last one Sorry, here. Uh, what's your favorite animal to hunt? Oh, favorite animal to hunt? Oh, man, I would say it's it's a tie between rabbits and white-tailed deer. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever eaten rabbit before? Yeah, I have. It's delicious. Yeah, I think it's good. I have zero issues. I made with that. a. Uh, oh, good. I say, and I have zero issues with that. Yeah, I actually made a rabbit ragu. Um, about three months back, that was just. Mm. <laughs> Uh, that's uh, good stuff. So let's, uh, as I said, guys and, and gals, that um, Connor and I are both on the pro staff um, for Ride On Optics, which is part of the reason you got the plug there. So, um, you know, we, we both had a great experience with it. And um, Connor, just tell me a little bit about, you know, how you got on the team and, um, you know, what's what's your favorite part of, of being on the, the pro staff for Ride On? So how I got on... Um, so I started doing like self-filmed hunts, uh, like mid mid last year. Yeah. And I have a Savage Axis 270 that I use predominantly. And I had this little Weaver, like three by nine on it. And I mean, it got the job done. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I knew I needed better glass and something a little more high powered for the, you know, the big game aspirations that I had. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was searching through the Vortex website and, you know, just looking through stuff. And because a lot of the guys that I've watched, you know, all, you know, it seems like everybody works with Vortex. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in my mind, I was like, man, it's got to be the best stuff out there. You know, I'm looking around, blah, blah. blah. And this was, you know, late last year. So, you know, it's still with the, you know, COVID times. And I thought, man, you know, because I'm big on supporting small businesses, mm-hmm. especially in these times. Like, man, those are the people that have taken the biggest hits. Amen to that. Yep. Yep. And, and so, you know, I got on the web and so I started looking for, you know, small business optic companies and, Sure enough, with the, you know, the way smartphones work nowadays, if you search anything online, all of your social media accounts are going to pull up like related stuff to right. whatever it was you were looking at. <laughs> right. And I, yeah. And so I actually had an ad pop up for Ride On. You know, I don't remember what exactly it was saying, or maybe it just been like a, you know, an ad for like one of their posts. And I went and checked them out. And, you know, first thing I see is, you know, vet owned out of Arizona. And I'm yep. like, sweet. Yep. That, that's one, one check on my list. <laughs> um, and, you know, then I go through and read that, you know, most of the people that work for them 
are, you know, former law enforcement, former military, former first responder of some kind, you know, just good people that are just trying to provide good, good stuff. So I sent Tony an application uh, for the pro staff and the rest is history, man. And here we are. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's sounds like uh sounds like a winner, man. That's cool. You found them, you know, just doing a search for for once. All those ads that uh, you get bombarded with actually helped you out with something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're kidding. Yeah, usually it's a nuisance, man. Yeah, it usually is. And and, and to your point, man, this the small business um, they have, as you know, they started a podcast, and um, episode one was really cool to to listen to to Brady and his wife just talk about the struggle and just the dream Going that was out there. Yeah, so obviously you've heard it, you know, and just Oh yeah, you got listen all. Yeah, I, I just love that the the fight, you know, the um that 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 they both had and and how cool of a team that they are and and um anyway, just how the whole thing came together and so um I just love their story and and then it, they have amazing product right and and to your point earlier about vortex you know there's no knock on vortex like there's certainly a market for vortex and and many many guys use vortex um and so you know being on the on the right on side of stuff like a lot of guys will say well vortex has a you know a warranty no matter what you do what happens this that and the other well right on does too you know? Exactly, and they they ask zero questions. Yep. And they and see the thing too that I like because I've talked to uh, I don't know if you've ever talked to Tony Tarantino. Um, I have not. Uh, so yeah, so he ran the pro staff and marketing. He did the marketing and the pro staff together before they got Eric on board. Um, and now he just does marketing, I believe. Um. Yeah, man, he told me that, like, you know, all these other companies, because I've even gone and looked on, like, Vortex's career page, just to kind of, like, see the kind of, like, stuff they hire for. And they actually will hire binocular repair, you know, technicians, scope repair technicians. So that leads me to believe that, like, whenever you send in your broken scope or your broken spotting scope or bino, whatever it is you send in, that they're going to fix it and send it back to you. Whereas ride on, you send in your broken scope, they're going to send you the same product back, a brand new one off the shelf. Mm. See, that's that's a de- depiction I did not know, which is very important, right? Exactly. It's like, I don't want the broken one back. Like, yeah, it's good <laughs> you fixed it, but I don't, I don't want that back. It was broken. Yeah. Or it didn't work. Yeah, part that thing out and send me a brand new one. Exactly. You know, so. and it's also nice though too is that any, you know, any time of the well, I say any time of the day, but you can reach out to somebody and get an actual person to respond, like Eric or Tony, or uh, you know somebody from you know customer service. Like someone will personally reach out to you. It's not thank you for reaching out to Ride On Optics our customer service bot will yep. you within the next 48 hours. Yep. 
yeah they they've been awesome to work with man and to give the autonomy to the to the pro staff team to you know really have fun with with a cool product that i mean we get to play with the the products that they've made and and kind of be ourselves about it and uh I, I just really like the the way they go about you know to market with with great product you know and um I really enjoy that about them. 100%. Well, and what's funny, too, is whenever I got on, and I believe it was in September of last year, I got on with Ride On. Maybe it was October. Um, one of their things was that Tony told me, he was like, yeah, man, you know, we'd love to have you on. One of our biggest outreaches that we're trying to expand towards is our hunting market. <laughs> because they have, you know, they, you know, obviously they're a big hit with like, you know, the guys that do long range competition um, or just competition shooting or military and law enforcement guys. But they were wanting to get more outreach into the hunting community. How funny. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. You know, so if it's good enough for a long-range guy doing competitions and all that, it's going to be okay for you there, Mr. Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think if, uh, um, you know, Joe Blow can uh, hit his mark at 2,000 yards, I think I'll be okay at 300. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. Well, cool, man. Thank you for coming on. It's been awesome talking to you. I kept you 45 minutes longer than I told you I would. Uh, no, you're good, man. I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a chatterbox. Sorry. Thank our first responders and especially our military that, um, again, away from family and friends and protects us uh, here so we can do the things we love. So till the next time and uh, God bless. And have a great week.